Welcome to episode 57 of Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. And I'm your host, Yo Canny. The girls are back. Emma the Millennial and Kiki the Gen Zer rejoin me to talk about lash lighting and authenticity in internet culture. And then Kiki help us make sense of lash lighting, which is gaslighting by an internet influencer. But this one's about wearing false eyelashes. The term started blowing up on the internet January 25th and still continues. You'll hear the different generational perspectives about authenticity and what they expect from influencers and beauty in general. We also look at different examples of personal branding like Rihanna's Fenty and brands that did not survive scandals. And we'll also discuss if an apology is in order. Make sure you listen to the very end because we're going to share some of our beauty tips. So here we go. Enjoy the listen. So my guest today... I'm so excited to have Kiki and Emma back. Emma, would you just kind of introduce yourself to folks who don't know who you are? Hi, I'm Emma. I am the millennial <laughs> who <laughs> comes on from time to time, but it's, it's been a moment since I've been back. Yeah, I'm Kiki, the Zoomer, the Gen Zer, <laughs> and I also come on from time to time, but I'm really excited to hang out with my mom and sister for our topic today, mom. Yeah. So the, the way we got started on this topic is that Kiki came by and said, oh, did you hear about Lashgate? And I immediately, sorry, went to Watergate. And I knew that that was not it. And I said, no. And she said, well, I think we should discuss it on the podcast. I think it'd be a good topic. So maybe you guys could kick it off first by telling our listeners what Lashgate is. I'll I'll defer to Kiki for this. Okay. Okay. Period. So Lashgate is a situation that started on the platform TikTok and it all starts with um, a beauty influencer named Michaela uh, Nuguera. She has about like 14 million followers on TikTok. She's a big beauty influencer. I am actually like, you know, I was a very loyal, uh, you know, fan or follower not like extreme like commenting on commenting on all their stuff but I did enjoy their content when it came to reviewing makeup products actually have bought products because of her recommendation so she did a mascara advertisement for a mascara called I think the L'Oreal telescopic and it looks like L'Oreal did quite a huge push when it came to marketing with influencers because different influencers on TikTok have reviewed this product. Michaela was one of them. Basically what Lashkey is, is that in Michaela's review, people are suspecting that she was not fully honest about her review. When people were watching her review, she was doing close-ups of the mascara and how it performed on her lashes. And you see in the first couple of, you know, maybe like half or not the first couple, but thinking about it now, the first half, you see her lashes look, look a certain way. It looks realistic. I think as people that wear mascara, we know that mascara is not going to give us separation volume length, like all of this stuff, <laughs> right? You got to compromise, you know what you I mean? You win some, you lose them. For <laughs> yeah. sure. Her lashes were looking normal the first half. 
And then after a certain frame where she's, you know, uh, showing the lashes from the side, when she goes back to like the front and facing camera view, it looks like she has false lashes on. And people in the comments were like, are you wearing false lashes and everything? And she denied it. She said, no, like this mascara is just that good. That's where this discussion is starting. And that's why I brought it up to my mom, because I thought it had a lot to do with personal brand and influencers, because I even feel a little like weird about it. You know, it may, it kind of changed my perspective of her trustworthiness Mm. because if you ask me those are definitely some ardell wispies or sun but oh yeah like i looked i was like okay it can't be that bad and then i looked at pictures and i was just like girl who are you fooling like those are right like you can see another layer of lashes which mascara doesn't do for you and so i'm like how could that be anything other than false lashes and how did I have so many other questions of like, how did she think she would not get like clocked right. for that? Especially because like all her followers are just such devout, like beauty people that mm-hmm. I'm like, they know what false lashes look like, even yeah, if they don't right. wear themselves. I, for listeners who may not know this, I spent 11 years in the beauty industry and a couple of my listeners I know I worked with either at Revlon or at Avon also worked on mascaras. In fact, my brand that I launched was called Mink Coat Mascara. And I also worked on skincare with the Nivea brand. So when you brought this up, I went, oh, you know, like a lot of things, like when you have a scandal or you have something that happens, there's always more going on. There is, it's like looking at the whole workflow happening around it and what other other things are going on that influenced it. Mascaras for a beauty company like L'Oreal, super important. It's where they make most of the profit is on mascara so that they can afford to do things for eyeshadows and nail. And in terms of beauty, mascaras, that's like the holy grail. That's like that's got to go well. So when this happened, I went, oh, of course, this is going to be big. You told me too, Key, that the reaction to it, like it just lit up. Yeah, I definitely lit up. And it brought up a very interesting kind of like response. Um, initially, there were a lot of people that expressed, you know, disappointment with her. But then you also had a, a group of people saying, guys, it's just a mascara. Why are we getting so upset about it? There's more things in the world to be upset about or something. Kind of invalidating people's disappointment. That was very interesting to see, but it definitely got a quite a big kind of immediate reaction from people. I think, you know, I was thinking about this. I'm like, if she had not gotten paid or sponsored for that video, we would all be laughing about it being like, girl, that's silly, but really hardcore, like thinking about it, like it's because she got paid that it looks like, you know, she's just like any other influencer who kind of, who like, I'm, I'm thinking of the ones that like sell vitamin gummies and like weight loss shakes and stuff where, which I think, you know, it's its own sort of meme within influencer culture. 
you know, it kind of removes the legitimacy of like, like what you were saying, like of her brand, which is, you know, just in case you don't know Michaela, like she's this girl with like this thick Boston accent. Like she's like maybe like four foot 11, like she's, and like, she comes off really as super honest about when things don't work or, and even then she's just kind of like, it just doesn't work for me. She's super compassionate about it. She's like, you know, it may look different on you. And you're not like, you're not a terrible person if you like it or whatever. And it's just kind of like, <laughs> you know, it all comes back to it being like, again, if this was like something she didn't get paid for, it would be like the internet meme of this year. I think it's it, it's like this extra whammy of like people are extra hurt because she got paid and it's like oh like okay so she'll lie to us as long as she gets paid a little yeah. bit more. So I think your generations are very much into beauty being authentic and it being as real as possible, right? Yeah. And when I was in the field, we were all about aspiration put you know do the the color correction on the ad make her look flawless you know uh yeah thin the cheeks down make them look you know we were about aspiration it isn't like we would look at cindy crawford you know being our unforgettable woman and go oh we're going to be Cindy Crawford. We, we kind of knew that we were not a Cindy Crawford, but now it seems like, yeah, there's supermodels still in the business, but influencers actually impact sales more than supermodels do. I, I don't know what you guys think about this, but I read that the authenticity and the importance of that for your generations is because, you know, you grew up in a time where false, that like you, false promises, uh, kind of like that. that. Yeah. But it, it's kind of, you reject the lies and you reject, or, or do you, maybe it's like you said, Emma, if she had been honest about it, like if in the ads we would put, you know, color enhanced, <laughs> you know, color corrected, to make her look 20 years younger, or maybe, maybe it's okay. Maybe, you know, that some of that happens and some of it doesn't and just be honest about it. It's kind of like, to me, so, you know, like on social media, every single time an influencer, no matter on what platform it is, whenever they get paid to do something, you know how they have to have hashtag ad. It circles back to this one event called fire Island, which you probably like for millennials and Gen Zers, it was like, a whole thing it was like so fire island was like this music festival that was that was like supposed to be like coachella but like in the bahamas and tldr it scam a bunch of people were stranded in the bahamas it was like you know it was like a whole imploding and it was because it, there was a lot of influencer marketing beforehand of like these models like and like rappers like being at this music festival, it was supported by Ja Rule, who's like, you know, was a huge figure in like the early thousands. So it really hit like the millennial market super well. And it was that false advertising. And now ever since then, everybody now has to put hashtag ad. And I think having that be like a precedent that we all remember, 
like in at least I mean Kiki's generation like mm -hmm. we're always kind of like okay take things with a grain of salt because like you know because we have more access to like more media channels like including social media everything gets pushed on us like a bajillion times so like you know an influence I think getting to like the point of like where do influencers come from like key like it's all about YouTube and like talking to like seeing these influencers with like who are just normal schmoes from like from like Boston you know who aren't like descendants of models they're no one special but they just yeah. they really like beauty so you can trust like it's almost like kind of like an artisan appreciation for this stuff but well I read that um, during the pandemic, like right at the beginning of the pandemic, when no one was going into retail, beauty sales just fell off. Social media just became super, super important. Supermodels were not equipped. They didn't have the cameras. They didn't have the video setup the way that the influencers did. So the influencer market just really took off. Retail, you can imagine, that's where we used to go to buy everything. Now it's like, no, we can look at a video of somebody actually using it and make an assessment whether that's good for me or not. I noticed this yesterday when I was working with um, Girl Scouts at my uh, Lead the Way uh, workshop, and we were talking about authenticity. We were using Rihanna as an example of a very authentic celebrity. Her brand um, Fenty does really well. And when I asked the girls, well, what do you, what do you see about that? What do you, how do you see that positioned in the market? And they were all right on. They said, oh, she's very inclusive. Her color palette is, you know, ex expansive for almost anybody in their skin color. The norms have also changed significantly. Like Fenty Beauty was founded on like this idea of inclusion, which like is still kind of like lacking in the market today, especially for people with darker skin tones. And I think that's where she really succeeded is because when she, she's not a, she's, I don't think Fenty's even like 10 years old. Like they, they, they're a really new brand and they really succeeded because they were the only ones who like went out of their way have this really expansive line like they started out with just foundations and like it was like really successful and in, in that respect and i think that's because more is tart it's not necessarily related to the space i think it's perhaps more about the actual norms that they are responding to and the what the consumers want and that's what makes her really successful because she's not only i think she's in sephora jc penny and like some other stores and I think that's kind of like the real, I think what, what everybody interpre interprets as like the real success. Yeah, I agree. And she's actually also an Ulta now as well. One thing I wanted to touch on as well is kind of like, you know, I completely agree with Emma. Like, I think Rihanna was really responding to what we as Gen Zers and millennials want the norm to be. Like in the past, if you look at Victoria's Secret, I think this is like a huge example of what we're talking about. Early on, Victoria's Secret fashion shows, that's like a dream. I know I'm not going to look like Candace Swainpool, you know, but she looks great. She looks beautiful. The lingerie she's wearing is stunning. And I think a lot of people were cool with that for some time. But when Gen Z came in, and started to prioritize mental health and seeing how these, you know, advertisements and role models, role models, quote, or icons make us feel inadequate, insecure, 
And I think the beauty industry really uh, thrived on that, like people's mm -hmm. insecurities. And I think Gen Z and millennials are very smart. And also we're not trusting, like our generation is not trusting of people. We're always going to question everything. We don't just say, yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> and so Victoria's well, Secret, <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, um, but so Victoria's Secret, they really went through, and I would say they haven't fully recovered uh, because they did not adapt. Like they kept trying to sell the fantasy and people were done. People aren't really looking for fantasies and advertisements anymore. They want the real thing. I want the real thing. Um, I want to see the actual result of the product. And now Victoria's Secret is about inclusion. But Rihanna was one of the first to do it in, yeah. a, in an authentic way. Like she, it was not, I think a lot of people really saw it as like, wow, this is like great. This is what we want. And we want this to be normalized. People should go into Sephora and be able to find something for them. And even on websites, you know, being able to see like uh, darker foundation shades, like, you know, when you're looking at products, not always like the lightest or medium shade, you know? So I think these changes are definitely as a result of like, the newer generations coming in and really wanting something different than what mom, you probably worked on for some time, like the mm -hmm. fantasy or Absolutely. the dream, you know, we really Absolutely. want something different. Yeah. And I think too, like this, I mean, I can, for my generation, like we, well, there was like a lot of things, but I think, you know, to Kiki's point about Victoria's Secret, like, and like, the heroin chic trends of like the 90s that kind of looped into the 2000s which were like if you look at the statistics for eating disorders developed by girls under the age of 18 like during like the early 2000s awful stuff and i think like you know we're talking like you know nowadays like there are people who have like come out of that who have seen that and are like we don't want to go back there like they're trying to make low race jeans a thing again which is just like you know all of us are kind of going like oh no not the body image thing again like no no no, we can't do that again not only that social aspect of it but like also in the pandemic like there's a lot of resentment no like i i, I was listening to a, pod, a podcast called um violating community guidelines which is run by Brittany broski and sarah shower who are a Gen Z and millennial influencer duo. And they were talking about influencer marketing as a whole. And they were saying that like, what we're seeing now post pandemic is that influencer marketing is kind of in this weird sort of purgatory because like people like Michaela who are just like, who have like these collections of like makeup that they just like are able to just purchase without thinking of it people who suffered so much during the pandemic and i think we see a lot of like especially right now with inflation like things are just becoming very unaffordable all of us are like watching this on our social media channels and we feel nothing but resentment because we don't want to be anything like that because they are the like we saw during the it became exacerbated during the pandemic because you saw into people's homes like they couldn't even like you know like i'm thinking of like that one failed imagine video with all those celebrities and their wonderful LA mansions in their pools. Meanwhile, there are like record like long lines at the food bank because people can't afford food. So like, you know, we're seeing this sort of like influencer marketing is kind of known for lampooning things to such a degree. Like, especially on YouTube, this is definitely more the YouTube thing. People just have so much money 
from influ- from their time as influencers and like Jeffree Star is a really great example of this. It's like no one looks at Jeffree Star and goes like I want to be like him. Everybody looks at Jeffree Star and goes they hate him so much and it's because it's like this resentment of like people like it's like that meme. It's like people are dying out here, Kim. Gen Z feels this, I think, a little bit more than millennials. Because I think millennials as a demographic were kind of more into like settled jobs and like tend to be pretty okay. Like we don't the finances aren't as salient. They're still they're still an issue. As with Gen Z, who is like literally like they're now just going to college and like finishing college and like trying to like get like their first job. And we're all everybody's there just going like this is a scam because you know this is hard and the market's hard like it's all terrible and so after that (laughs) that like a real millennial yes (laughs) and after that whole diatribe what i really want to say is i think you like this is where like we're kind of seeing like you know for every whatever I, i took a class in college once and they said like every culture has a counterculture and that's just the natural progression of things so, like, we're still seeing an extension of, like, the counterculture from, like, the early 2000s. But I think also now Gen Z is bringing this extra layer, like Kiki said, of, like, everybody lies to us. I'm not believing you for a second. And, like, I think that's what makes this Michaela thing so heartbreaking, which I can totally empathize with. It's just, like, oh, you are just like the rest of them. Yeah. Or even, like, when you think about where she started and where she is now and the big yeah. shift there, right? Like kind of selling your soul or selling out. People have also accused her of uh, selling out as well. So brands can recover from scandal and they have. I mean, you could look at Morphe as an example of uh, a brand Don't that even heavily- get me started. <laughs> I know Emma and I could talk about this because we actually used to shop at Morphe once in a while at the Valley Fair Mall. They were actually- under a distribution parent company, I believe, Forma. Forma filed for bankruptcy. A big reason of that is because Morphe really invested into influencers for selling their products, like collaborating on makeup palettes with influencers, such as Jeffree Star. I have no question that they would probably partnered with Michaela at some point too. It's just kind of their brand. So yeah, you know, you could see some makeup brands recover, but there's quite a few that especially ones that have invested heavily in influencers just are really struggling right now. And I I don't know if they're going to recover. Well, it's been interesting for me to look at this particular issue and not see L'Oreal say anything or do anything. Like there's been no, nothing out there about, about it. Yeah. Like if you ask me, like it's this, they, they talk about it with um, the whole Ticketmaster situation and the Taylor Swift tickets. But it's like, I think to me, L'Oreal is such a big company. It like owns a couple other like huge brands. I think YSL is owned by them. And like, yeah, they do. They're just, mm-hmm. they're just too big to care. Like, you know, this is one influencer. Sure. She got a huge following. It's one mascara. They have like 20 more, you know, they don't have to put in that effort to kind of resent, like, you know, cover up their image because everybody's mad at Michaela. No one's mad at them. Yes. And I think that's interesting because there was an, I said, yeah, I saw a guy state that L'Oreal probably saw a video because they're required to give a video to L'Oreal to review of them demonstrating the product. And they probably were not satisfied. And they probably had something to do with her putting the lashes on. 
and then redoing the video and it being acceptable. So L'Oreal, and I, I would totally agree that that could have happened. I don't know if it did, but it's quite possible to me. Um, L'Oreal has not taken responsibility. Interesting that the influencer is being thrown under the bus, but L'Oreal is coming through this without any issue, at least to date, right? I think there's more to the picture. Like I was saying in the beginning, more to the workflow of how these things happen that perhaps, you know, we saw the end of it, but there were a lot of other parts to it involved. It, it's it's hard because I think it's like trust is so fickle, especially on the internet as it is now. You can fake just about anything and you have to kind of have this idea that like you have to take what you see on the internet with a grain of salt. I can remember my students at San Jose State saying, oh, well, that's on TikTok. You can't believe a thing that's on TikTok. I, I, is it in your estimation that it's less, it's you're capable of getting away with a lot more on TikTok than you can on Instagram or any other social media platform? I don't think so. Like, I don't know what you think, Kay, but I think like get away with more on Facebook just because like the people who use Facebook now are people, I'm sorry, mom, from your generation who like <laughs> don't have this idea of the internet of like, you know, being this inherently like not true sort of place. <laughs> I think it really matters. I think TikTok is just used by more people and there's more users. Okay. So like, of course, okay. it's going to come up more often, I think. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. And just, I guess, to add my two cents, it's interesting because if you look at Instagram and the reputation that it has, I think it really got a bad reputation after some time because tons of influencers, TikTok wasn't really around yet. Influencers were really using Instagram as a way to do advertisements, but not really disclosing that it was an ad. Instagram got this reputation of being a very fake place. And I think what attracted people to TikTok, not only is it addicting to have this endless, literally endless stream of content, but also it seemed more authentic at the, at the beginning, I think, I feel like, because it's not Instagram doesn't have that kind of bad association with it. So I think at first TikTok, you know, and I do believe that a lot of more influencers, you know, use TikTok and they're able to get away with a little bit more just because of like the format of TikTok. Um, Michaela's also been criticized for using filters and everything in, in her videos. That hasn't really been a big issue. Like, I think she's probably been able to get away with it if that's the case. So I would I argue that maybe a little bit more. Norm. I think that's kind of the right. norm beauty, right? Yeah, but I feel like it's not usually clocked. That's a good point. So I, I have a hard time clocking it unless it's like obvious, but most of the time it's not. Mm -hmm. The nice face tune blur effect at a hundred percent. Maybe we all just want to watch the process. So it's transparent. And if we're being sold to, we are made aware that we're being sold to. There were suggestions I know in a lot of the comments about what Michaela should do. That is the million dollar question. What would you suggest she do? She's handling it in a way that we don't really see often. Actually, it's kind of rare to see an influencer not even address it once. But I think it's actually might be a little smart to do for her. Is it is it a thing that I enjoy as a consumer? Not really, because I don't really, I would rather have some accountability be taken or or anything. 
but she hasn't she hasn't really addressed it. I don't know what I would suggest. I it would be nice to have an apology or maybe some clarification or if she really wanted to save her reputation would be to do the video again mm-hmm. or on an Instagram live or something showing the mascara, but I know she's not going to do that. I know that L'Oreal has got their own interests and contract and things like that. So it's a little complicated. Yeah, I guarantee you like in the con- in the influencer contract that they have with her, like it, like they strictly regulate like what she can post, how long the video had to be like, how, like filmed with what camera, whatever. But I think, yeah, to your point, Kay, like I've seen a lot of influencers like muck up and like I give it, I, the, to me, and this is just me, but I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Like once my trust is lost from an influencer, it's lost. Like it, there's really, you really can't go back to like how much I was invested like initially. Mm-hmm. However, like I have, a, I have an extra respect for people who like, you know, they fess up. Like they, they say like, hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. Like. I'm sorry for the people I hurt. Like, you know, they make like a truly earnest apology that is not that is not them. There's this infamous meme of like influencers doing apology videos while crying and not saying anything. <laughs> like, not actually apologizing, but kind of apologizing. I appreciate the ones that literally just like straight up say like, "I'm sorry, I messed up." Like, just that there's closure. That way you can move on. And like, as as your brand, like from yeah. a functional point, like you won't you, you can kind of have extra leverage to ignore the comments in the future being like remember Lashgate, blah 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 but you know now that in this moment I'm thinking key like what do you think about maybe she's doing this now to show other brands that like you know I'm right or die like sponsor me I can get more moolah and that's why she's not apologizing maybe there's more deals with L'Oreal in the future yeah I think she would lose even more followers if that was the case, if they were going to partner on stuff again. I was also wondering too, conspiracy, because she has like an insane amount of views on that video, like 44 million. Mm -hmm. Like she's probably making tons off of something, Emma. I don't know how TikTok revenue works or like where you monetize or how you monetize, but with that many views, I feel like she's probably getting a lot of money. I'm not sure. So it's very interesting. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. wonder if that was like intent, not intended, but maybe like. Well, there's you know. that old saying, you know, any publicity is good, good publicity. Yeah. Any but, views are good views. But right. I, I don't buy it because if your brand is hurt because of especially if it's something like an element that your generation holds very high as a value which is honesty and authenticity transparency any of those things are violated she might be okay for a while every time you go to that brand and you see that person you're going to go not authentic, not trustworthy. Your revenue and what you're trying to get people to do is going to decrease. So that would be what I would say about a hurt brand, that you you do have to address it. And experience says the sooner you address it, the better. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, Key, do you remember the whole Jacqueline Hill, Morphe Palette debacle? TBT. What a scandal. She, what a I think, what a moment. I think she's probably, you know, 
the best comparison to the whole thing. So Jaclyn Hill, like, and Morphe, like, you know, speaking of influencer collaborations, they collaborate, collaborated on a palette. I I will attest that I owned that palette at one time. Um, but now with Morphe's most recent scandal about the quality of their eyeshadows, I no longer have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People were complaining that the quality, like, you pay, like, 40, oh, I don't know, like, for this palette of like 28 eyeshadows, which is pretty big. People were complaining about the quality. She was like, I, you know, I'm sorry. There was like an oversight, like between me and Morphe. I'm not here to point fingers, but we're here to get this done. And she reformulated the palette and re-released it, which I think was a great solution all in all. And like, she has her own brand now. And like outside of the Morphe collaboration, I think, I don't know how popular it is. I certainly don't. You know, for Michaela, I think, yeah, like that suggestion to just do the video again, which like yeah. contractually, I don't know how well she'd be able to do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the only way out, right? It's like you, you fess up, you move on. Yeah. I also think you can, it's an opportunity for her to lead, take own, not just ownership of what happened, teach people about the whole thing when it comes to influencing and sponsorships and Blow the lid off of that. Just be transparent about that too, right? (laughs) Yeah. So is there anything else, ladies, that you would like to add to the episode today? I did have a question for you guys, because I have to be honest, I did buy the mascara (laughs) because I wanted to try it because it actually looked like a mascara I would like. So I'm, you know, wondering for you guys, would you try this mascara with all that's gone down? Uh, absolutely I would well I wouldn't try it just well to me like I wouldn't try it for the results because I know the results are kind of bogus however I would open myself up to buying a L'Oreal mascara but that doesn't mean anything on L'Oreal like the entire mascara market in drugstores so I don't know it's hard to say I have like I'm a very big waterproof gal because when I wear mascara, it's into the office and I hate when it smudges because it makes me look not great for a variety of reasons. So if they made a waterproof formula, I would probably try. But I have my brands and I like them. So. Were you wearing it today? No, today I was wearing the Tower 28 mascara. <gasps> Wait, she was, actually. She was getting flirted with right and left. So today. Oh, I look what I got. I have Do this. you like it? I love it. I'm wearing it now. and It's, it's like- literally the best gloss. Tower 28 gloss, y'all. So good. Uh, yes. <laughs> Anyways. What was Tower mas- 28 in coconut? That was, was nice. What was the mascara you got me that I just, that I loved that I hadn't had for a while? The uh, Dolly Wink? Yeah, Dolly Wink. Yeah. I See, I have that on today. That doesn't budge. Doesn't budge. Doesn't nope. go anywhere. Even listeners, if you've got Crisco under your eyes, like I do with eye creams, it does not move. It's wonderful. Any other suggestions we have for our listeners on our beauty secrets? Um, makeup by Mario foundation is pretty awesome. It's super moisturizing and it's my go-to foundation. Does it have shimmer in it? Like a little shimmer? A little shimmer. So like, if you don't like that, would not recommend, but if you love foundation that doesn't make you feel super dry after about eight hours it's great okay and if you have super dry skin i would also use it with the laura mercier hydrating primer Uh as recommended to me by a sephora employee who uses it personally speaking of influencers love that i love when you guys talk beauty it's like i feel like you're 
have been involved in the family business. <laughs> you picked it up and moved on with it and far yeah. exceeded anything I, I ever did. I will let you know, mom, I went into the office twice last week and I got compliments on my makeup both times and I gave out some recommendations. So I am not surprised. You're both such beautiful girls. I'm so lucky. <laughs> anyway, and I'm glad listeners can't see you making those little faces right now. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I love you both so very much. And it's great to be here. Love you. Thank you. And thank you for joining today. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening today. And we sure hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also join our public Facebook group, Girl Take the Lead, or visit our website, girltakethelead.pod.com. As a follow-up, I checked to see if Michaela had lost any followers. And as of this recording, she was still trending about 14 million. And I learned she actually acquired 700,000 over the past 30 days. So I think she's doing just fine and maintaining. Also, because we talked a fair amount about Rihanna and her brand Fenty, she happened to have seen an 830% increase in internet searches following her promotion during Super Bowl halftime. Oh, the power of the internet. Next week, I'll pick up on one of the topics we discussed in this episode, Apologizing. Found a great book with an amazing title, Sorry, 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 The Case for Good Apologies by Marjorie Engel and Susan McCarthy. You'll not want to miss this review. And also, I got a great one in the works for the week after with Colonel Kim Campbell, U.S. Air Force retired. She has a new book about to be released, Flying in the Face of Fear, and it's truly a great read. So join us for that one too. Thanks for being here and talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.